Welcome back to the Adrian Bo podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. AB, we are coming only one short week away from Christmas and we are not going to stop. We've got one more episode we're going to run next week as well. But hey, listen, we're here in the present. This goes live this week. So all the agents out there that are still listening, working, doing auctions, showing property, you guys can listen to this, take it out, make sure you're listening to it in the car, on the treadmill, wherever you may be, because AB, we're going to share some insights and secrets of someone that's only been in the industry for two short years. Like I'm talking 24 months. They've hit the ground running. They've created a, a mindset and a, and a business of attraction. They've done some phenomenal work, but this is the most exciting thing. Before we started recording this episode, this agent actually said it's only the beginning, and that's what actually scares me but excites me at the same time. I'm going to leave it to you to do the introduction because I know that you guys have been working closely together and you're super excited about this interview. So, AB, who are we speaking to? Today, thanks, Troy, we're talking to Drew Davies, who uh, joins us from, from Brisbane. So, g'day, Drew. How are you going, mate? I'm well. Good afternoon, gents. How are we? Excellent, excellent. Just as a point of introduction um, for everyone, so Drew focuses primarily on Hamilton, Ascot, Clayfield uh, areas of Brisbane, uh, very much a prestige agent, so some quick stats, um, average sale price of close to $2.7 million, uh, well on track to do over a million dollars in GCI this financial year, um, with an average commission of well over 2.5% as well. So they're pretty impressive numbers. Uh, Drew, for someone who's who's only been with us for a couple of years, and what we're going to focus on are four main areas. Uh, if that's okay with you, mate, one of them is going to be your off-market transaction and strategy. Uh, secondly, is going to be database, which is something that you've adopted in the last twelve months. We're going to talk a little bit about your fantastic Instagram following of close to thirty thousand people, which I'd say would be number one. Uh, in terms of volume for Australia agent, uh, definitely. And then we're going to look at uh, the transition from previous careers and lives into real estate and into McGrath. So, mate, that's a lot to take in, but let's kick off, uh, Drew, if it's okay with you, about your off-market strategy. Just so for the listeners that are aware, you've done about $12 million so far this financial year in off-market sales, 10 of that $12 million being in specialty penthouse property. Um, mate, what's the strategy for off-market looks like? Because everyone wants an off-market strategy as part of their business vertical model, but what does it look like for you, mate? Yeah, I guess, I mean, just to expand on Troy's introduction, I've, it's been two years with McGrath, but I, I've been in the industry for four years. So two years before that, when I was dealing in apartments throughout the CBD, Yes. And when I moved into the luxury, uh, you know, the prestige suburbs, Hamilton, Ascot and Clayfield, there's a great synergy selling that demographic out of those properties. Most of them are looking to downsize. And yeah. with all of the connections that I had in the, the CBD, it's very easy to pick up the phone and, and ask these people if they're willing to sell at a certain price. And you've got to be, I mean, a lot of agents tout the phrase off market I think far too often and you know what they're really doing is they're still taking photos they're still sending it to their database um, the off market deals that I've been putting together are purely myself and my associate agent on the phone Yeah, that's it we're not sending photos we're not taking photos it's purely conversational so you've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to ha- have two things. You've got to have an absolute understanding of your market. You've got to know the properties intimately. You have to have door knocked the property, which we've done in our neighbourhood many times, and you have to also know the buyer intimately. You have to have built that trust over a period of time, 
that doesn't come quickly and you do that providing just a, an outstanding service over and above what everyone else is giving them. Okay. And what's the client often saying to you to fall into an off-market category, uh, Drew? Are they saying, look, I'm only a seller if I get X price or, you know, everything's for sale at the right place, which is a big cliche, and if you find that magical buyer, bring them through. What, what are they often saying for you to determine, okay, that falls into an off-market category for me and that's something I can work on today? A combination of all those things. Sometimes right. there's someone who does not want to come to market for privacy reasons or they yeah. understand that their property is so unique that the buyer may only come along once every you know, year or even a couple of years. Yeah. So they just want me to keep an ear out for when I'm dealing with buyers in that price range with an appetite for that property. Mm -hmm. um, quite often it will be someone who's thinking about coming to market next year. So I will pitch a two-stage approach. I will go in and explain, look, um, we can basically discuss this with our buyers now uh, in this price range with an aim of coming to market in March. Uh, but we need to have that March launch date set in stone so we can then, you know, we can coerce these buyers through with a deadline on that. Otherwise, sometimes it just, you know, there'll be a second and third viewing and it will never eventuate because they start getting the feeling the seller is not a real seller. Right. Okay. So your immediate response, Drew, is, um, okay, if and when I come across a buyer who I find suitable for your property, um, this is the process that, that I'm going to undertake? Or do you go back with a proper call to action and say, I'll be in touch, you know, within 48 hours with a plan? How, what's your immediate response when you know that it falls into that category of off-market? Well, quite often if I'm sitting in front of a vendor and, and their property is unique, I can discuss the three buyers that I'm currently working with. I'll, I'll just tell them their names, what they're looking for, their really? budget, if yeah. they're ready to purchase, what properties I've already shown them through, why they didn't like it, um, yeah. and why I think they would like their property. I'll simply ask for permission to discuss their property details with those buyers, and I'll just say yeah. I'll get back to you within two or three days. Um, I'll let you know if either of those three buyers would like to buy. Um or, or, or view, sorry, and then take them through. I mean, that's how we got the deal done at uh, one of the properties in Clayfield at uh, $4.625 million. It was simply asking the question, got Brilliant. them through, and the deal was done within two days. Brilliant. And what's your dialogue to the buyers, Drew, just for the listeners when we get a bit more granular and they're, they're aware of the actual uh, process in terms of discussions with buyers? Is it, is it okay, I'm going to let you know about something that's not officially on the market, but my owners have an appetite to sell at a certain price? What's the dialogue sound like? Well, I'm only approaching buyers that I know will have a certain interest level straight away because I've been right. dealing with them from anywhere from a month to a year uh, or, or beyond. So, for mm -hmm. instance, uh, with that sale, it's the easiest example. I had a client who was in a 607 block. He yep. wanted more space for his four kids. He needed more room under roof, and he also needed large flat yard with a pool, and it needed to be uh, in a more prestigious street. So, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing you do is you look at properties that have been withdrawn. Um, yeah. you, you look at previous conversations you've had with that owner. I just said to the buyer, I said, look, I have these three properties who so I know I can approach these, uh, these owners are there any that stand out to you? These are the benefits, I think, uh, of each property. Here's why I think you'd like this one in particular. Would you like to get through? The answer was yes. And then you simply arrange the meeting. Brilliant. Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm hearing, listeners, is that 
having an off-market bucket, if you like, as one of many buckets that need to be running simultaneously in order to generate listings is really important. So you've got your off-market bucket, which which Drew's just shared with us, a, a basic strategy that works. Then you've got to have a past client strategy, which is another, another pool of uh, listing source. Then you've got to have a, a database strategy, which we're going to talk to, to Drew about as well. Um, and then you've got to have, you know, a strategy around talking with, with, with your buyers. Um, so I think if you've got all those strategies running simultaneously, you're going to find that your business will, will definitely improve. So the next thing we want to tap on, um, Drew, briefly is database. So I know a year ago you had a bit of a light bulb moment when you and I caught up. Do you want to just talk us through that and what's eventuated up to date in terms of your database? Yeah, for sure. Look, it wasn't so much of a light bulb moment as as I just felt like an idiot. Really, <laughs> when yeah. you when you asked what my database looked like, and I didn't really. I was trying to be polite. Tell you. Yeah, yeah I, I think your exact words were: "How on earth have you managed to get by for three years with no database?" I mean, yeah. I had a database, but purely it was on my phone. I had no; I wasn't using a CRM. I had no, yeah. you know, there was no real data there. I literally had nothing. Mm. Um, so it was a very catch and kill mentality. Um, and now we've just completely resolved that. Immediately after our conversation, um, I employed someone with a lot of direction and myself included to go out and build a database immediately. So from then to now, uh, I'm running two different databases. I'm running a, a BDA database of homeowners in the area that yeah. I service. And we have that at 1,500 or, or approximately 1,500 people. Um, and that is full details, there's communication there with permission and also a buyer database of buyers we know that are in the market and that runs anywhere from four to 500 people. Right, okay, brilliant. So it doesn't sound complicated even though... From your point of view, when you heard those words database, and when I said when I said light bulb moment, I think that was a euphemism for you saying that you felt like an idiot. But yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, de- definitely a lot of people when you talk to them, they say, "Wow, database sounds really complicated," but you've just simplified it. Um, oh, it's it's simple, mate. It's on an, it's, I, yeah. I, I run it on Excel. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I find everyone's always looking for the silver bullet, but yeah, you cap- you capture the data and you service the data. It's as simple as that, and. That's the simplest way I could do it, is have it in spreadsheets, in the cloud, and make a lot of phone calls. The the question that I had around the the servicing, many people get apprehensive about trying to make the perfect communication go out and have that all set up. You're more of a person that um, is more authentic with your communication because you know that your online and offline presence has to equal the same outcome, which is building trust and rapport with clients. Is that something that you've always been focused on to make sure that, you know, what they see as a written word is the same as what they get when they meet you face-to-face? Absolutely. Um, You know, I try and, for lack of a bit of a term, keep it real as much as possible. I mean, I'm there to help these people uh, and service them. So it's to the point where a lot of these owners... Um, and buyers, of course, if they don't hear from me, I mean, they call me often. I mean, my phone's ringing as much as I'm ringing out. I want to know why I haven't called in the last week to offer them another property that's whether it be off market or, or coming to market shortly. Yeah, brilliant. They're prospecting you. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, it's re- I feel like my, my team, we're on the cusp of becoming that uh, attraction agent, which is a really good feeling. You know, the, the phone is ringing yeah. with really good quality inquiry and conversations. 
Yeah. And that's the difference, Adrian. That's the difference between going from good to great with these types of database and nurture programs and actually just servicing um, the clients in the way that they want to be is that they start finding ways to communicate with you. Yes. It's not always a push, push, push. You're actually having that abundance mindset and getting them to come through. Hey, Drew, the other thing is that you're over 28,000 followers now on social media as well. Is that the same consistent approach that you've seen with the online and offline communications, whether that be email or putting out a post i know that your your photos are second to none and i know you've got a strategy around really investing heavily in that and making sure they look the same as what your brand represents yeah definitely i mean they're two separate things but i've uh, i've got a firm belief that you know the three areas you need to invest in is the database building a database building a team and building a brand and for me the easiest way for me to build my personal brand was to implement a digital strategy where at the start of my career, it cost nothing. It, yeah. it was very simple. All I had to do was uh, you know, keep it consistent, post regularly, um, and, and show a little bit of my day-to-day life. So I think a lot of the followers that I have, and, and you know, it's rare to have someone that hasn't purchased followers or purchased their likes. And I, I think a lot of people enjoy the fact, especially those people who were following me four years ago when I didn't have a car and was quite open and honest about those things and, and just to follow the journey. So yeah. it's, it, it's always a matter of, it, it's hard because sometimes you post photos and they may project a certain image. You have to always um, balance that with a, with a bit of humor or honesty in the captions. And I just try and do that as much as possible with my day-to-day life because I mean, it, my day-to-day life is quite boring to be honest, but it, it, it's property in my family. It's, it's only one of the two. I love how there's now a dissolving line between the discussion on database and now the discussion on personal branding and digital presence and also your Instagram profile. So I love that segue because previously, Drew, you know, they they used to be very separate and they were sort of almost a mutually exclusive. But but now, you know, even though they've got slightly separate strategies, they do morph into the same thing. So what what tip would you give for an agent listening to this has got, you know, under 1,000 followers, you know, looking at you thinking, yeah, you make it sound easy, you've got 28 point two thousand followers and thinking that that's going to get them to the next level which it might be part of the strategy i'm sure but if they just had a very focused driven um uh, mantra to sort of make that happen in in the next 12 months what what are the top tips mate for them i don't think it's rocket science i mean i definitely don't consider myself an expert but the how I see everyone come unstuck is they try and project an image that is not themselves. So when it gets to day three of posting photos, they struggle to come up with any sort of content without really having to think about it or put effort into it. So I would Mm. say just make sure it's your actual life. You will always get people that are interested in what you're doing. Um, And that's what you want to build. You want to build a following of people who are interested in what you are doing and what information you're giving to the market. So Mm. I would say just, Keep it really consistent with your day-to-day life. Post every day, especially when you're you're trying to build a following. Um, Instagram stories are a crucial part of that to direct traffic back to your page. Um, And, you know, a bit of humor and honesty as well. Not everyone wants to see, um, you know, (laughs) I I, I follow someone, you know, I'm guilty of following these people, but all it is is holidays and all these things. I'm just thinking, that's a great life, but where do you fit in work? Yeah, yeah. Now that's great, mate. And in terms of the the photography quality, you're doing it yourself, or you got professional people doing it? Uh, A mix of both. So very Mm -hmm. early on, um, when when I saw my following, I think it was around four or six thousand followers. I went and purchased 
what I thought was an expensive camera. It had Wi-Fi mm-hmm. capability, and that's when it really started to work. So you've got to make the right. investments. Yeah. So a lot of the photos um, I will take myself or basically whoever's with me, my associate agent or my wife, mm-hmm. um, for paid campaigns. I mean, quite a lot of companies will uh, want me to tie in with their brand um, and they will either supply a photographer or I will use some of that budget to bring in a photographer. Great. And and in terms of a digital marketing company, were, are you using anyone in particular or are you just driving it all yourself, the content? No, I do, I do it all myself. I mean, okay. I don't really have a strong opinion on either. I understand some people don't make social a priority, so they may want to outsource that. Um, mm. th- that's fine. I just feel it needs to be authentic. I feel it needs to be coming direct from that person in the moment. That's part of yeah. the reason people buy into it. Yeah, I agree. So just, just going back, to the database. I, I love what you said, Drew, in terms of, you know, you just basically all you're doing is looking at names and numbers and making a lot of phone calls. Um, that's very refreshing because a lot of people think database um, and, and prospecting are, are two very different things, but they're, they're very much linked and one feeds off the other. So, um, you know, you're not relying on a fancy software system to, to create miracles for you. You're just really using it as a reference tool in order to make those calls because nothing replaces making the calls and having the face-to-face appointments because I think everything we do, Drew, everything we do in real estate is a means to an end in order to achieve face-to-face meetings, whether it's it's Instagram, whether it's prospecting, whether it's databasing, all that means is that's an opportunity to get face-to-face with someone because that's where the, that's where the magic happens. That's where the deals happen. That's where those off-market transactions occur for you. That's where the offers happen. So, yeah, would, would you agree with that? I would completely agree with that. I mean, a good, a good example of database and social media and how they can tie in together. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier, actually. So last week, uh, we were called into a, a, a vendor's house. Yep. This is someone we had met when we were building our database. My associate agent, uh, Carter, he had gone and door knocked this lady. Um, she was great friends or she had an existing relationship with an agent in the area. And she'd always been very honest with us and said, um, we will, um, you know, we love what you do. And, you know, if you can bring us someone off market, that would be great. But just letting you know, we'll be listing with this agent. We've got a relationship. And, you know, we were very uh, hands-off. We we do respect those relationships, but we also wanted to see if we could help with her next purchase and definitely also try and get her some good quality feedback from buyers that we knew were in the market at the time. So just from that continual um, servicing, um, and she had then gone and done her own research, uh, and my associate agent had um, shown her my Instagram, which I, I didn't actually like at the time. I thought, oh, geez, I don't know what this client's going to think. And she really loved it and loved what I'd done, and, and now she's just listed with us. That's great. Well, that's just part of that digital interview, Troy, which which people are doing either before they meet you or after they meet you. In fact, every agent should be digitally interviewing every client they go and visit with, be it on LinkedIn or Facebook, because I was just listening to a podcast the other day around, you know what, you can't influence someone, i.e. sell to them or have them list with you unless you understand what drives them and motivates them. So, Product knowledge or people knowledge is the, the, the main ingredient of that. To yeah, be able ex- to exactly. And it's that digital interview, which is why it's so important to be real in yourself because 99% of agents that these people are you know, conducting that digital interview with behind the scenes, their feed is uh, filled with you know, a, a, them standing in front of a, a signboard with a just sold sticker 
yeah. saying how great they are and the price that was achieved. And, and that is, that, that's great, but it's not the reason that you have social media. You have social media so these clients can get to know you in the background, know how you operate, know the hours you work, what drives you, um, and those sort of things. That's the difference. Yeah. Thanks, mate. And just on hours, just quickly before we go, what, what's your average day look like? Um, look, it was – my alarm used to go off at 5.30, but I'm on, uh, I've made a conscious decision to really step up the, the health and fitness. So about six weeks ago, I've changed my alarm to 4.45. So that's when I'm up. I get an hour of light cardio in, in the morning, um, and then I get home. I wake up my boy, Harvey. Uh, mm-hmm. I feed him, get him ready for, for kindy um, or, or for mum, and then I'm off to work. I'm usually in the office between 7 and 7.30, um, I don't keep strict office hours, but I'm in between 7 and 7.30, making calls anytime I'm in the car, and I'm usually out the door in the evening, anywhere between 6.15 and 7.30. Okay. Got it. Um, Troy, you wanted to have... I was just going to say, I was just going to emphasise that point around, you know, um, the fact that people are researching you online and so often agents fall into the trap that they have to have a certain perception of who they are online and when you meet them, there's a total disconnect. Um, you know, the fact that people are researching us anywhere from six months to 18 months, they may attend an open for inspection and just be a nosy neighbour and then they get to a point that they decide to call you in. It's absolutely paramount that you do show that consistency online. So, Drew, I can only applaud you for that and ask all the listeners on this uh, on this episode that are listening right now to go and follow you because um, while it's it's your personal brand and why it's, it, it works for you, their brand might be completely different. But the one challenge that we always have is you need to show your uniqueness because that's what's going to drive people to actually call you. It's not going to be if everyone does the same thing, if everyone wants to be Drew Davies on the Instagram profile uh, and their social media and the way they do things, then guess what? They're not going to work because it's not actually their authentic self. They've got to have that balance between the two and, you know, each agent is different, but you've got to make it work for you. Your personal brand, the way you live, the way you work has to be the same as what you're displaying online. Uh, So, Matt, congratulations because I think you've absolutely nailed that. And I also think that this is one of those ones, Bowie, that is quite exciting because mm-hmm. while, and Drew's only two years with McGrath, but two years before that, so a total of four years, this is the start of the new agent coming through the ranks. Yeah. This is the start of the new um, agent that's digital savvy, that knows how the world works online, is still amazingly great at what they do with their clients' nurture program. Yes. They have face-to-face conversations. They're authentic in what they do. This is the start of what we're going to see in the future. As a, as a new breed of, of super agents, if you like. Absolutely. The days of an agent not knowing how to use social media or going, oh, that's for the young people in the industry, they're gone. They are absolutely <laughs> gone. We're on the, on the cutting edge of people in the industry that know how things work. They do things on the run. They're fast at what they do, and they're seeing the results. You know, there's $12 million done at off-market sales in recent times by Drew and his team. Like, that's mind-blowing in my opinion yeah and i think that's a really good segue troy into our last point when as we as we asked drew um about uh, his business is the transition piece from a different industry or from different industries i know he he, drew you've got a background in in um telemarketing sales and also architecture etc so i'm assuming all those skills that you learned under those different purviews have, have benefited you as an agent today. Can you talk us a little bit about what that looked like and how it has benefited you? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what uh, I, I do. I made the decision to get into real estate. So background in, in architectural drafting, 
um, which which serves me very well in this industry, and then made the transition into sales. And I was uh, I was on a flight to LA actually, sitting next to someone. We were both going to LA, and uh, we were discussing what we did. And he told me he was in real estate, and we, you know we'd had a couple of beers, and we were discussing what we earned, and it just absolutely blew my mind what he earns. And I ended up stepping off the plane on the other side and quitting my job. I picked up the phone, called back to Brisbane, and quit my job, and just thought that's it, real estate. So I've always been good at making very quick and clear decisions which have worked out so far and was that um, the job you had in architecture or when you were working for selling tickets for jordan belfort's uh, speaking gigs so that was in the transitions i was actually already yeah. in sales i was working in recruitment and yeah. then i had uh, taken i think it was a week off work because i saw an opportunity to um to sell those tickets i mean really not a glamorous job we're talking telemarketing at its lowest but i saw an opportunity and it paid off um, yeah Jordan saw the amount of tickets that I'd sold and ended up flying me there to stay with him and his family. That's why I was on that flight. Um, <laughs> me and this other bloke who also did a great job. And um, What was that like staying at Jordan Belfort's house with his family? Uh, it was eye-opening, mate. It was great. I mean, he, 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 essentially, <laughs> he essentially flew us there to, to congratulate us and put a, put a party on. And, I mean, it was right before the movie came out. So, um, you know, he, he gave us an intro to Leo and, you know, it, it was a really wild time. It was really, really cool. And uh, like I said, that was the moment that I decided to get into real estate. So uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity and, and grateful for seeing that opportunity in something that was really not that glamorous. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then obviously um, now that, you know, you four years into it and two years with McGrath. What, are, what have you taken away from those previous lives and previous industries um, that's really supported you in your day-to-day activity? Um, look, obviously there was a lot of um, dialogue, training and stuff that we did with Jordan, but you, you would think with all the training that I had that I was going to step into real estate and kick some goals, but I absolutely sucked. Like I, <laughs> I sucked. And, and, I, and I sucked for a long time, but I refused to give, give up. Uh, I knew this was always going to be my career. I wasn't going to fail. Um, but it, it really came down to just doing it, you know. It was a conscious decision to, you know, there was that moment where I just stopped talking about being an agent and thinking I was doing agent things and then just actually putting my head down and working and doing all the stuff that wasn't glamorous. You know, it, it's really not hard. It is just putting in the hours and being a little bit savvy about how you go about your business. Yeah, I love it. I think from what I'm listening to, Troy, is the minute you decided that real estate was going to be a lifestyle, not just a job, mm. then I think that was the turning point for you because, you you know what, you were incorporating all aspects of your life, your family, your health, your sales skills, your personality. You know, I mean, I was listening to something the other day and it was like, rather than trying to close people, why not walk into every business relationship or every listing appointment, if you like, in our arena um, as an opportunity to meet and, and, and build friendships. You know, what, 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 a, what a great paradigm. Um, you know, so I, I think that's without even realising it, that's probably something that sounds like you actually undertook yourself. Oh, completely. I mean, it, it's definitely, there's no um, dividing line between my home life, work life. I don't consider any hour where I don't answer the phone or don't make calls. And I understand if some agents don't operate like that, but for me it really works. I have an understanding wife. Uh, I'm the sole income earner for our family. And I really enjoy what I do. I, I genuinely enjoy it. If, I, if I'm not conducting real estate business, I'm probably talking to one of my team members, you know, late at night. Um, it's, yeah. it's, just what, it's just what we like talking about. It's, like, it's what we like being around. 
Um, and I think it's important to mention just about that social media, Adrian. Um, mm. Like, I don't have any silver bullet. I think it's important for people who see my profile or think that I have some sort of strategy in place. It's really just as simple as doing it. You know, yeah. I, I don't have the silver bullet. I know that's what everyone's looking for, but it's just doing it and it's doing it every day. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I love it. Well, what, what I'm hearing in summary from the points we talked about, and, and Troy, I'll let Troy uh, chime in as well, but firstly, in terms of off-market strategy, have one, don't make it complicated, have the critical conversations and make sure you already have buyers in your database to actually refer to before the you... The buyers are crucial. Yeah, the buyers, you, you that's, can't, what that's the note I've taken down from, from the off-market strategy, Drew, from you, yeah. Yeah, you can't do off-markets by trying to smash a square peg through a round yeah. hole. You've got to be so informed both about the buyer and their circumstance and the property itself. You can't go trying to force a deal together that's never there. There's only one way to do it, and it's know your market intimately, both the property and the buyer's. Yep. It's almost like know who's going to buy it before you even go there. Oh, you have to. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't be approaching them. Yep. And the next one, database, is, is, is make sure database and prospecting are spoken to in the same language. <laughs> just, just make sure you have one, mate. Is yeah. the simple answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Have one, but don't just press a button and hope it's going to do all the work for you. It Database is a means to an end to prospect, and prospect is a means to an end to create face-to-face meetings, and face-to-face meetings are a means to an end to do off-market sales, get more listings, and build an amazing business. That's that's what I'm, uh, I am I take away from, from that. And in terms of your Insta strategy, authenticity is, is the main word that I took away um, from from what you're talking about, and and make it a holistic approach. So you don't, you know, life, personal, business, etc. It all falls under the same umbrella. And also, you know, the last piece of uh, gold I got from you, Drew, was on on your transition piece. Even though you weren't that great at real estate to start with, um, mate, you just. Went, I don't know if I'm any. I don't know if I'm any good at it now, mate. <laughs> There'd be a lot of agents who would have to be well on track for over a million dollars with an average sale price of close to $3 million, uh, and, and, and an average commission of close to 3%. So um, I think tenacity, hyper-focus, never giving up, um, and just seeing no is another opportunity of learning. And, you know, that's I think that's the main takeaway. Yeah, Andrew, no, I was going to say, here's the other thing is, and this is powerful for me, Adrian, it's... Drew's just begun. Like he's, he's just taken the opportunity uh, within a short space of time and he started doing things and they've evolved over time. Yeah. But until you make that decision, and a lot of agents, and Drew, you would probably agree with this, a lot of agents tend to come into this industry and dip their toe in. What I'm getting from you is you've gone headfirst, done a massive dive off the 10-metre platform in the diving pool and you are in lifestyle, everything about your business, you can tell there's passion there. Yeah. But most agents, most agents care so much about what they're doing and how they're doing it instead of just starting the process and getting in momentum. Because well, the problem is, yeah, the problem yeah. is I don't think yeah. I, I don't think agents care so much about what they're doing. They care so much about what other people think. And especially with yeah. social media. You know, when I yeah. first started that whole journey, of course there were a lot of people making fun of me, you know, and they're now the same people that ask me for advice, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, cool. I, I, am, I am cool with that. 
Um, mm. You know, you've got to do it. You've got to not care about what people think. You've got to know the reason you're doing it. You know, everyone worries what their colleagues will think, what their partner will think, what the general public that they don't even know will think. You, just do it. Stay in your own lane and and give it a red hot crack. And I've burnt every yeah. other bridge. I mean, th this is what I'm doing. Yeah, well, there's our famous Marcus Aurelius quote that says, it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but we care more about their opinion than our own. Mm. And I think what you just said, Drew, is exactly right. Mm. Yeah, that's excellent, Drew. We really appreciate this uh, this interview. You know, you, we love you as a brand. Um, Fatback McGrath, you do some great things in your marketplace. Um, and above all, you're providing incredible customer service to your clients and your buyers and you're creating raving fans every single day along the way and you, you're enjoying the journey as well as the destination. You're creating a great team, a great business, a great database around you. Uh, we support you. We love you. Thanks so much for participating today, mate. It's been awesome. Oh, I love you guys too. <laughs> I, just w I just wish you'd wear better tyres, Bowie. Um, I'll, I'll expect you to send me some in the post. <laughs> okay, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Adrian Bow Podcast featuring Troy Malcolm and Drew Davies. Drew, we cannot thank you enough for the time that you've taken and spent with us online talking and sharing insights about your brand and business. <laughs> Here's the thing, listeners. We have one more episode before the end of the year, but we do need your help. The first thing we need you to do is make sure you download the episode and tell everyone about it. Uh, listeners are increasing every week, which means, Bowie, we have some credibility out in the marketplace. Yeah. The second part of that, listeners, is we would love to hear your feedback. So give us a five-star rating. Make sure you do it on iTunes. We look forward to seeing you again next week on the podcast. For any questions and any information, please feel free to email adrianbow at mcgrath.com. Until next week, thanks again, Drew. You've been an absolute star. Bowie, see you soon. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs>